How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hi guys, Will here. Just a quick message to say that while we like to keep things light and fresh here at Dissecting Disney Diddies, sometimes we do let a bad word or two slip in. Um, So if you're going to be listening to this with little kids, maybe wait till later. Thanks, bye. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Ladies and gentlemen, the President will now be here to answer any questions. Uh, well, thank you all for coming. I, I do have time for a couple of questions. Over here, Mr. President. President. Mr. President. President. Mr. President. Mr. President. Mr. President. Over here. Mr. President. Mr. President. Uh, you. Yeah, you there. Stackers from CNN. The people want to know... What is the best Disney song? That's all the time I have for today. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you you can't you can't walk away from this, Mr. Mr. President. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Disney Diddies with... Sta- oh, wait, no, that's you. Isn't that me? Yeah, that's you. Oh, we're never going to get this right. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to Dissecting Disney Diddies with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I am Will. And on this show, we will be breaking each animated Disney classic down, song by song, in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? <laughs> okay, Stackers, so how have you been? What have you been up to? (laughs) To me, this has become the impossible question. You ask me how I've been and what I've been doing and I'm like, I've done nothing with my life. Um, I have sat on the couch and watched a heck of a lot of bunheads. What have you been doing? Oh, look, not much more. It's, uh, for you know, anyone who's not in Melbourne, it's lockdown 4.0, baby. We're uh, in lockdown. Lockdown. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so look, I've been very much doing the same thing. Teaching from home. Uh, sitting on the couch, watching TV, watching movies. I did watch a really good movie that I wanted to share because you've met, you've shared a couple of good movies you've watched on the podcast before and mm-hmm. I think it's high time I get in on this. So I watched a lovely Irish movie called Sing Street. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it and I'm a huge, huge fan of Once and The Commitments. So it's yeah. amazing I haven't seen it. Oh, it, it is really, really lovely. I had heard someone talk about it. I can't remember who, but they had said that it was a really nice movie and that it like really brought out a lot of um, brought back a lot of joyful memories of their their time as a teenager, discovering music and discovering who they are and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, it's really, really nice. Basically, it's about 1980s Dublin. Uh, a teenager decides to start a band to impress a girl. And it's really about them sort of finding their sound and discovering different styles of music in the time. And it's 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 really lovely. Mm. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Have you seen The Commitments? I haven't seen The Commitments, no, but oh, I like love Once. Movies. Yeah, Once is great, but Once has, so Glenn Hansard is Once. Yeah. He was in The Commitments. He's right. the bass player in The Commitments. And I don't think he was like, 
really famous at all when they did that movie. Yeah, okay. But, oh, my God, it's just one of my favourite, favourite, favourite movies. Yeah, cool. I'll have to so look good. it up. Also Irish, also about music. Yeah, there's something about no. the sort of Irishness of it that just made it so nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's sort of what I've been up to. Um, yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about at the moment because we are still in lockdown. We're in and, lockdown and we can't do anything. I yeah. finally watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall last night. <laughs> really? Yeah. I remember when Frozen came out and everyone was like, oh, she's from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I was like, she's Veronica Mars and I didn't even watch that. Yeah. And yeah. now to me she's from The Good Place. But, yeah, I finally, finally watched it and I had no idea I would see Marshall Erickson's penis. No, no. <laughs> I um, For the longest time I just couldn't understand why everyone loved it and why it was so funny. I remember <laughs> watching it and just being like... I don't get it. Like, okay, yeah, cool. His dong's out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, to me it was just like, you know, you see, I feel like you see boobs all the time and yeah, it's just yeah. so rare. You see like men do, you know, flash something and I was like, it's actually kind of Full a dong. refreshing yeah. experience to be like, oh, for once we're not just like idolising the female body. But I was like, yeah. oh, it's penis. No, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, on that note, have you seen the thing this week about Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell ABC thing? No. Yeah, so Sean McAuliffe does this show called Mad as Hell, which is kind of like a sketch show um, mixed with a bit of current affairs and stuff like that. He does it on the ABC. And there was a sketch they were talking about, um, which was all about defamation and censorship in in response to some, some sort of big uh, news headlines this week in regards to defamation cases against the ABC being dropped and all this sort of stuff. And they were sort of talking about what the weirdness of ABC's censorship guidelines. And so they were doing a bit of back and forth where there was all these bad words being censored out. And then a guy just comes on from side stage, full frontal nudity, swinging dong to sort of say, hey, we need to wrap this sketch up and off he goes. And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like it's just, and it, it, it was really interesting in the way that it does highlight those weird censorship laws yeah. that we find, you know, swearing so outrageous and stuff, but then swinging dong's fine. Like, yep. Yeah. Nothing wrong so, with a good swinging dong. No, no, more <laughs> swinging dong. In fact, that's the only way Disney could probably improve is more swinging <laughs> dong from Cinderella's <laughs> Prince. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, look, um, it's been a week. So, yeah, look, let's uh, – I suppose we should probably talk about the movie we're here to talk about. We're talking about Cinderella from 1950, Stackers. Cinderella, you're as lovely as your name. Cinderella, you're a sunset in a rain. All right. Quick facts from Stacks. The year is 1950. <laughs> it has been nine years since the release of Dumbo. Music is by Jerry Livingston and Al Hoffman. Lyrics are by Mac David. And the score is once again by Oliver Wallace with the assistance of Paul Smith and Joseph Dubbin. In the cast, we have Eileen Woods as Cinderella, Eleanor Audley as Lady Tremaine. Verna Felton is back this time in a much bigger role as the fairy godmother. Uh, songs that you probably remember from this are A Dream Is A Wish Your Heart Makes and Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It was nominated for two Academy Awards, including Best Score and Best Song for Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. However, it did not win. Best Score that year went to Annie Get Your Gun and Best Song went to Mona Lisa by Nat King Cole. Mm, yeah, great song. Okay. 
I looked that up because you last asked me last week and I had no idea who actually won. <laughs> it's good to be prepared. <laughs> it's interesting knowing that Werner Felton played Mrs. Jumbo and the Elephant Matriarch as well because mm. I didn't know that obviously before doing this podcast and before you put in all these wonderful facts and they are such different characters like the voice acting is kind of incredible when you hear it from movie to movie how different they can sound oh yeah yeah really fascinating and i see also um eleanor audley who is lady tremaine is going to be maleficent in sleeping beauty which is coming up yeah and you can if you put them side by side they actually do sound almost identical she was interestingly also the physical model for this character and there's an image that we will share on our socials of her pulling this sort of surprise face from in the end of the film and the animation and they're almost identical like she is Lady Tremaine in this film amazing yeah, she's brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah so good Cinderella is one of those stories that keeps getting made and remade and remade and remade Disney has made three Cinderella movies now. So we've got the 1950 animation. We've also got the 90s Rodgers and Hammerstein movie musical, which is just probably one of the best movie musicals ever made, starring Brandy and Whoopi Goldberg. And then they've made a live-action version of the Disney version starring Lily James. However, that didn't have any, inverted commas, didn't really have any music. It sort of did and it sort of didn't. So they're a huge fan of this story. This was actually one of the first animations that Disney ever, ever worked on when he was studying at university. Really? One of the first, yeah, one of the first sort of shorts he ever made was about Cinderella. And this was back in in the early 30s, I think. And it's very like gimmicky, kind of like Betty Boop esque. I know he didn't do Betty Boop, but that sort of like style of cartooning. But he was. He became quite popular for his just attention to detail, especially in terms of backgrounds and shades of grey as opposed to straight black and white animation. Yeah. And then this was a story that he'd been wanting to do for a long time and it kept getting sidelined until we finally got to this in 1950. So I probably should, uh, before we get into the history, because there's some more fun stuff to talk about now to do with like World War II and post-World War and why it's been nine years since Dumbo to get this movie. But before we do that, I would like you to read out the original story. So for those of you who haven't, haven't seen Cinderella in a long time, Cinderella tells the story of a poor girl who lives in a household with her evil stepmother and two evil stepsisters. They have demoted her from being a princess down to being a kitchen wench who serves them at every beck and call. There is a ball held. She is visited by a fairy godmother who gives her a beautiful ball gown, which is silver, not blue. She goes to the ball. She dances with the prince. He falls in love with her. He finds her shoe. He finds the foot that fits the shoe. They get married. They live happily ever after the end. Mm, Not a lot to it, really. No, not really, except (laughs) there's like a hell of a lot of animals in it in the meantime. So many animals, yeah. It's interesting (laughs) seeing Disney... um, again, sort of refine what they know works and change up their animation style to eliminate those things that don't really work. Because the thing that stood out to me, just before we get into the real story for a second, the thing that stood out to me was that the human characters actually look kind of human. I knew you would say that. 
Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> when I watched it, I was like, Will's going to like the human Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> in the past we've had Snow White, which we've, you know, said a couple of times, she looks a bit off in, in a lot of the scenes there. We have <laughs> Pinocchio, which, you know, the blue fairy, again, has that same sort of not quite right look, uncanny valley type thing. Not a lot of human characters in Dumbo, and when they are there, they're very, very caricatured and very characterised. And then, mm. yeah, the Cinderella, the the stepmother, the stepsisters, the, the prince, they all look like normal humans, and there's only maybe one mm. or two moments where that sort of old not quite right look comes back into and I actually took a photo of one of them and sent it to you just before recording where Cinderella's eyes are pointing in vastly different directions. So You sent that to me where? On Facebook. Oh, you know what? I just <laughs> browsed past that because I thought, oh, yeah, he's watching the movie. She looks, whoa. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Keep yeah, your eye I on the think, prize, um, Cinderella. Come on. <laughs> when I was watching it, I thought, yeah, she is much more conventional human looking yes. um but at the same time the animation is still a little bit stilted like it's still not quite very smooth no. especially when she's talking or singing no. and i guess if you freeze frame it it's gonna look like that we'll have to show that photo <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but they are sort of they are refining it they're refining what works and each movie you can see that development and it's really fascinating i've mm. been saying to a lot of people as we've been watching through it that you should do this you should go through and start with Snow White and watch through with mm. us because the the evolution is really really fascinating yeah the the detail in this and the beautiful scene work that's done in this film can largely largely be attributed to Mary Blair she was Pardon me, she was a colorist at Disney. She hadn't done any really big work. She'd done a little bit of stuff on Dumbo, but she'd done some trips to South America and done a lot of study in the use of color. And Walt got her to be the main colorist on Cinderella, and she did also a lot of the concepts. And you look at just the settings of this movie mm. and that very exaggerated the exaggerated doorways and archways is very regal. It's very King Louis, I think. Is it King Louis who I'm thinking yeah, of? Yeah, I think so. I, I picked that it as one. like a very sort of old French styling. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is her. The colouring in this film is just stunning. Like most of the time my eye is just drawn to not necessarily not necessarily the characters but just what they're surrounded in, the houses or the outdoors. It's just absolutely stunning. So, yeah, major props to Mary Blair. She did a lot of stuff on, on Alice in Wonderland and a few after this as well, which is where I feel like the animation in, in the films really kicks up a gear. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've got the original story from you, so mm -hmm. I'm going to read it. Okay, so. This, this was so difficult to, to write. <laughs> <laughs> this is version 3.0. Okay, here we go. The Cat Cinderella was written by Gian Battista Basile in 1614. Wow, that's really old. It's so old. It was later rewritten by the Charles Perrault in uh, 1667 under the title Cinderella or The Little Glass Slipper and later the Grimm's Brothers in 1812 simply titled Cinderella. So the Basile story is the original story, yep. which is the Italian version, and then the Perrault version is the French version, and that's the version that the Disney movie is based on. Right, okay. So he introduced the fairy godmother and the pumpkin coach, and then the Grimm's Brothers version is the version that Into the Woods is based on. 
Right, yes, which that has, real dark Yeah, the really areas. dark thing with the stepsisters hacking off bits of their feet to fit in the shoe and their eyes being pecked out by birds. That's all the Grimm's Brothers version. The Perot <laughs> version is the kind of magical version and the original is just the weird one. Okay. <laughs> so we're reading the original story. By the Bissell. original story, yeah. Okay. So there once was a prince who was a widower. He had a daughter that he adored named Zizola, so he gets her a governess to teach her how to sew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> he loves her and finds her a seamstress. This is a very, like, to the point story. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, he then finds another wife who's basically the devil incarnate. Zizola begs her governess to kill the stepmother so that she can be her mother. They hatch a plan and Zizola becomes a total badass and murders her stepmother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, All basically right. she, um, the governor says, how about you just ask your stepmother to get you an old dress from this massive chest and when she's opened the chest and she's looking inside it, just slam the <laughs> top of it on it and break her neck. And <laughs> so she out. does. <laughs> I want to see a version of Cinderella where it's basically like an Italian girl from 1614 who goes on like a John Wick type murdering <laughs> spree. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be quite fun. And this all happens, I kid you not, in the first like two paragraphs of the story. <laughs> I was like, okay, that'd be fast. <laughs> Married murder. Cool. All right, done. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, the governess and Zazola's father get hitched and start banging like bunnies. She pops out six children and soon Zazola is forgotten by her father and is demoted from spoilt princess to kitchen wench. It is here that she is gifted the new name, Cat Cinderella. Which they never, ever, ever mention for the rest of the story, but for the sake of our sanity, I've called her Cinderella from here on in. Yeah, But the okay. book just keeps referring to her as Zerizola. Zer- right, Zer- okay. Zerizola, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So Cat Cinderella, but still Zerizola. Still Zerizola, yeah. W- weird, okay. The father has to go on a trip, so he asks all of his daughters what they want him to bring back. They all want pretty shiny stuff. As a joke, he asks Cinderella what she wants, and she basically says she wants him to ask a fairy to bring her something back. And if he doesn't, she hopes he never comes back. <laughs> wow. I mean, fair. Like, <laughs> your dad's forgotten about you. <laughs> so, yeah, up yours, Dad. Naturally, the father buys all the fun stuff and completely forgets about poor Cindy. When he finds that the ship refuses to sail home, a fairy appears and basically tells him to stop being an asshole and gives Cinders a date tree. Uh, the height of uh, gift giving in 1614 in Italy. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever eaten a date. Oh, wait, I've eaten sticky date pudding. I retract that statement. Continue. Yeah, they're, they're really <laughs> sweet and caramelly. Um, yeah. So Cinders flips out over this tree and is so excited that she plants it straight away. In the space of four days, the tree has grown into a woman who tells her that basically by saying a chant, the tree can grant her wishes. A feast is announced, so Cindy Pooh runs to the tree and gets decked out in a gown, complete with white horse and a bunch of servants. The king spots her and wants to bone, so he sends a servant to chase her down. She buys him off and the king gets made... Gets mad, sorry. Gets mad that he's been cock-blocked by coins. So basically the servant's like, ooh, coins, and forgets all about her. And this is what happens for 90% of the rest of the story. Right, yeah. The second feast comes around and once again Cinders attends and is chased by a servant. This time she throws a bunch of jewellery at him, which again he can't refuse, so he takes it and she runs off. King is now hella pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I just like this idea. It's like, oh, money, oh, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Like you work in the palace, dude. You're surrounded by this stuff all the time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, non-palace gems. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> There's a third feast, and again she escapes the servant, but this time uh, she loses a shoe in the process. So the king busts a nut and decides to throw a huge feast for every maiden in the kingdom. The entire female portion of the kingdom shows up to this Hogwarts-style feast, and once they're done chewing, the king starts tying the shoe on all of their feet. Because nobody in the whole kingdom has the same size shoe as little Cindy, the shoe doesn't fit anyone. This is my major problem with this story overall. Like, the, no... The, yeah, the idea that there's only one person with the same size shoe. Yeah, it's kind of like going to a shoe store and seeing like size six, seven, eight, nine, ten, your size. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more because I've got thoughts on that too. The king loses the plot and announces a second feast, demanding that every woman attend. The prince tells the king that he's got a seventh daughter that he didn't bother bringing because she's not worthy. So, of course, she comes to the second one. Now, considering the king has seen Cinderella three times now, you would think that he would know her face. But no, he waits until the end of the banquet to put a shoe on her foot. As soon as the shoe sees her foot, it darts forward on its own accord and slips into her phalanges. <laughs> nice use of the word phalanges. I like it. <laughs> um, they get married. The sisters are sad. The end. <laughs> I just like that this story involves the king seeing her face three times and be like, yeah. I want to bone her. When he sees her up close the fourth time, he's like, mm, not sure, let me try the shoe on. <laughs> <laughs> It's um yeah that was a that was a thought of mine as well like it's just it, it seems very strange um but also like in the Disney movie the shoe is quite small so yeah either yeah either Cinderella has freakishly small feet or she's quite young and hasn't fully developed her foot yet <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's uh it's it's quite strange yeah. yeah okay so you can see in that I guess the um the framework for what the Disney movie is going to become. So there, there's a lot there that is recognisable, this idea of, you know, uh, trying to find a, 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 a queen or a princess using the shoe. All of that is there in the original um, Basile story. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's quite an old story then, a lot older than I thought. Yeah, uh, me too, because originally I summarised the Grimm's Brothers story for you because I yeah. thought that's what the original was. And then it was only when I was watching the movie yesterday and for the first time ever it says yeah. based on the story by. And I was like, oh, that's good. Wait, who's Charles per Charles Peru? What the hell? Yeah. I've written the Grimm's Brothers story. <laughs> and so then I started summarising the Charles Peru version. I got halfway through that before a little bit more research shows me, no, he wrote the second one. The original is by Basile. And I was like, oh, my God, I've spent more time summarising Cinderella than it took me to watch the entirety of Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I noticed that too, though, yeah, the um, story credits and also the voice actors credited yeah. for the first time. So it's nice. We're, we're turning a corner in Disney's weird everything has to be existing in this fantasy princess universe. Yeah, the bubble, the bubble yeah, of the fantasy. Bubble. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it is 1950. Uh, yes. We are post-World War II. So we'll just go back to um, 1941, which is the year that Dumbo came out. Um, so in December of that year was the Pearl Harbor attack. Yep. And basically the US troops took over the Disney lot for repairs and storage and they were the only lot in, in Hollywood that uh, had that happen. Most of the staff were drafted and then of those that were left, 93% of, produ of production was devoted to government propaganda and 
military training films. Oh, fun. Yeah. So they are making the, oh, actually, um, some of my favorite titles include uh, a quick few facts about venereal disease. Oh, God. <laughs> Does and, that have Mickey Rouse running around talking about his spotted dick or something? <laughs> no, I've watched one and it's just, it's weird. They're really long. Oh but my God. They, don't, they don't look Disney and that, like, they haven't got Disney characters and thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> but, yeah, they're just, like, really old school cartoony things about, like, you know, don't put your pee in a V unless, like, you're sure it's clean, basically. Oh, my God. And then the propaganda films were mostly about um, Hitler and most of them featured Donald Duck. So this is where Donald Duck became like a really famous primary character in the Disneyverse, pretending to be Hitler. So, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, this is what was basically sort of keeping the lot alive. In 1942 they released Bambi but it was a total flop. And ultimately, really? Bambi was a flop. Yeah, a total flop. Because still, like, the films aren't really getting out well, yeah, anywhere true. outside true. And America. Now, and now America is involved in the war. So, yeah, like, yeah. people are dying and most people have been drafted, and no one really wants to go to the movies to see a movie about a deer whose mother gets shot. Like, <laughs> it sounds like such a fun time, though. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched Bambi? Oh, definitely not traumatic at all. No. Have you watched Bambi recently? <laughs> not recently, no. I, I, I'm one of those people, I guess there's quite a few of us, who watched it as a child, it traumatised them and we never watched, <laughs> never watched it again. <laughs> I, I re-watched Bambi a few years ago and I still remember the animation in that. There's a scene where, like, it might be just after the mother gets shot but all the deer start running and you just see, like, this landscape with deer running. And if you can imagine getting some black paper and cutting out a few deer shapes and then just like moving them side to side across the page that's what that looks like wow it's <laughs> really low quality low budget because like no one was no one was there like everyone at the studio was working on military stuff they didn't really yeah. have time and effort to put into a major feature film and i'm looking at the um the time frame here just um on wikipedia and uh, bambi came out 10 months after dumbo so you can imagine that a lot of the issues that plague Dumbo as well were going to plague Bambi. Yeah, absolutely. Like they haven't got the people. The morale is completely down. Everyone hates Walt Disney. Um, and so, yeah, and then they just sort of pump out this film. It's so, And that's why we haven't really – there's no real music in it anyway, but it's really not worth talking about because it's a real kind of like just get something done movie. Yeah. And so the war ends and – to make some money, they decide to make these package films. And package films are basically when Disney started out, they used to make things like the Silly Symphonies, yeah. which were really short little skits involving music and random little characters. And so package films are when you just slap a whole bunch of those together and call it one big movie. So this yeah. is where we get melody time and make mine music, yeah, which are basically I, yeah, reworked I, I, Silly Symphony stuff. I'm looking at the again. I'm looking at the the timeline list here, and I have never heard of any of these movies. Yeah, because they were all just like we're trying to make money, but they weren't making money. These things weren't sort of recouping. Remember, they are in so so much debt. We're in four million dollars of debt at this point. Far out. And so they turn to live action movies, and they start making more money. And most notably, this is when Song of the South comes out in 1946. Oh, that fun movie that we are definitely going to never talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so 
they they find that these live action movies that sort of blend a little bit of animation with live action more popular and that's what makes them a little bit of money to survive but ultimately what keeps them alive is yeah the government funding and the bank so we get to 1950 and because we've released Bambi these package films the live action live action's making a bit of money but not enough to say hey we're we're back on the road we're still in four mil of debt. Walt Disney says we need to look at what worked for us. And the movie, the only movie that has reaped a lot of financial success was Snow White. Yeah. Because Pinocchio lost him money, Dumbo lost him money, Fantasia lost him money. So he said, okay, Snow White was about a innocent young girl in trouble. Let's find a story that's about that. And like I said before, he's played with Cinderella a lot before this. So he throws $3 million at Cinderella. We're $4 million in debt. He puts $3 million into this next feature. And basically if Cinderella failed, that would be the end of Disney. Yeah. And uh, luckily Cinderella was a massive worldwide success, raking in tens of millions of dollars and huzzah, we've got Disney for the rest of our lives. Wow. Yeah. It. Oh, Lifetime domestic gross of 96.3 million. That's not adjusted for inflation, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. So because, one, we can get it out of America now as well, which it makes a huge difference when you can for get sure. it into the European yeah. market. But to the war is over and this film really appeals to the 1950s female aesthetic. Like Cinderella is very beautiful. There's a lot of glamour in it. It's a classic romantic love story. It's just like everything that we we want when we're working towards like the American dream kind of ideals that come out in the 50s. Mm, This really supports that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I did notice um, throughout a lot, like through a lot of the dialogue in the movie that it is very, there's very distinct ideas of what females should be in this Mm. movie. Um, Like there's a mention that, in the, the Mouse's Work song, there's uh, a mention of, you know, the women do the sewing, you yeah. can go and get the stuff yeah <laughs> basically. And um, the king is very obsessed with the prince finding a wife to have children, like to, for yeah. that wife to be a mother. Yeah, can't, can't he find, surely one of these is suitable enough to be a mother, I mean a wife. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of weird and gross. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, the other thing that they did right was, um, first of all, the music. Previously the music in these films was written for the films. They weren't yeah. intended to be hits. But this time they were looking for the music to be hit. So they'd had When You Wish Upon a Star, which was a massive hit, but that was just an accident. So this time they're like, all right, we're going to own our music this time. So they create create a branch where they can now own the rights to their own music. And they go (laughs) looking for songwriters that can produce hits that they can put in the movie. And so they go down Tin Pan Alley and they look for who's writing the big hits at the moment. Now, one of the biggest singers at the time is Perry Como. Yeah. And basically if you want your song to succeed, you get him to sing it. And he's got a song called, Chi- I don't want to get this wrong, Chibaba Chibaba. <laughs> and they hear this and they want to know who wrote it uh, so they can write music for the film. And I've got a little bit of it here. 
Yep. Tell me what you think it sounds like. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, angelawa, kukula, goomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, angelawa, kukula, goomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino go to sleep. What does it sound like? Alakazua, bepedabua. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. funny because Perry Como also recorded this. Salagadula, mechigabula, bibbidi bobbidi boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi bobbidi. Bibbidi bobbidi. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, they found out who wrote Chibaba Chibaba, hired them and said, we want music like that. And, yeah, it's funny because it's practically the same song as Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Yeah, it, it sounds exactly the same. Especially Actually, when you've got the same singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's insane. Okay, cool. So that's what they did. That's um that's really fascinating. Mm. And so they, they've got these like hit songs and Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo and the work song and A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes were all massive, massive hits in the 50s. Mm. And then on top of that... Roy Disney, the famous brother that, you yep. know, saved us last movie, he decided to split merchandising into its own branch of Disney. Ooh, good and move. this included music licensing, and it became the first film to release merchandise ahead of the film's release. And this is a practice that Disney still does to this day. Really? This is where it began, 1950? This is, yeah, this is where it began. So they were releasing dolls and clothing and accessories before the film came out. And you look at any Disney film now, that's exactly what they're still doing. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So this started with this film. This was just a game changer. Cinderella's a game changer of a movie. That's crazy. Like, yeah, because you hear a lot about that, um, you know, merchandising being the key to success and if you can if you can get merchandising, uh, you know, a cut of merchandising, you're basically set. You don't need to worry mm. about whether the movie makes money or not if you can get a cut of the merchandising. That's, um, that's insane that yeah. this is when it began. I can't believe that. Yeah, it's also where the Walt Disney Publishing Company first started releasing sheet music as well. Yeah. So now they own the sheet music. They were just so, so sure that the songs in this show were going to be hits. So they released the sheet music ahead of the movie as well. And hey, presto, we've got the sheet music. Funnily enough, the soundtrack wasn't released until seven years later. So Disneyland Records wasn't set up until 1957. And so, uh, sorry, they were set up in 1956 and the record came out in 1957. And when it came out, it sold three quarters of a million copies and it was Whoa. number one for over a year. So it was a huge, huge success. Yeah. Hooray for Cinderella. Yeah. All right. So they almost did like a complete hard reset of yeah. Disney. They went, no, 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 this hasn't worked. Let's just go back to the start. We'll start again. Yeah. What worked for Snow White? Let's do it, but better. But better and just throw everything at it. Like everything we know that Disney does now, all the merchandising, the advertising, the sheet music, the you know the records they had they didn't have karaoke cds back then but they had the storybook cds and that sold seventy five thousand yeah. copies and was number one on the billboard charts as well so they just they knew at this point how to just dominate the market and i guess when you flood a market with that much advertising people are just gonna want to go and see it because it's like the new shiny thing yeah. I mean, think yeah. of like when the first iPhones came out, how much advertising there was, which led to the 
queues at the store at bloody 6am to go and yeah. get one. It's the same sort of thing. This was new, this was big and all of a sudden everyone has to see this movie because they've just flooded the market. Wow. Super, super cool. So this is a, this is a lot happier than the Dumbo episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So no no prior warnings needed for this episode. <laughs> no trigger warnings. No, tr- unless you're allergic to happiness, there's no trigger warnings in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, look, we um, unless you've got anything else to talk about, Stackers, we might take a quick break mm-hmm. um, and then when we come back we'll get stuck into the songs. Let's do it. All right. Hi guys, Will here of Stackers and Will fame. Um, We'd like to take a moment to thank all our Patreons for their continued support. Without you, we could not make this show, so thank you from the bottom of our hearts to every single one of you. Uh, If you'd like to contribute to making the show the best it can possibly be, you can find us at patreon.com slash dissectingdisney where you can get early access to our episodes and other cool stuff as we build our fan base. Also, if you'd like, if you like hearing my voice, you can find it on another podcast, Tabletop Unknown, where we discuss and playtest tabletop role-playing games that aren't Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you very much, and let's get back to dissecting Disney ditties. Let's talk about the music of Cinderella. Play song. Cinderella. I did not bother giving a score rating to the opening number. I did. Oh, but interesting. We, look, we don't have to because it's incredibly boring. In, out of interest, what would you give it? So for for the for music, I gave it two out of five. Uh huh. For lyrics, I gave it one out of five. Because it literally just describes what the movie is going to be. It's 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 so. You're as lovely as your name. Yeah, yeah. It's so boring. Um, for animation, I gave it zero out of five because it's just the credits. So sorry, sorry, credit makers. Um, and for contribution to the overall story, I gave it a zero out of five. It got no <laughs> score from me. Essentially, we might leave that. One. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so Eileen Woods, who voiced Cinderella, she uh, we mentioned her in the very first episode of Dissecting yes. Disney Diddies. Do you remember why? Uh, it was because of, now let's see if I can remember, it was because uh, Adriana Casalotti's insane contract meant that she wasn't allowed to do the voice for the record release of Snow White. Is that right? The storybook record release. Storybook record release, yeah, yes. there you go. So we've heard her before as another Disney princess because those records came out after after this movie. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. She was actually really good friends with Jerry Livingston and Al Hoffman mm. and they asked her to do the demo vocals on the recordings to send to Walt Disney and they right. auditioned two or 300 girls to play Cinderella and Walt said, no, I want the girl off the recording and that's how she got the gig. It's interesting though because I think that uh, one of the songs in particular in this soundtrack sounds so much like a Snow White song that I actually, in my head, when we were first talking about doing this podcast and I remembered this song, I remembered it as part of Snow White, not as a part of Cinderella. Mm. And so that's, I guess, the one we'll talk about now, which is A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. A dream 
is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. So, a dream is a wish your heart makes. I love this song. Yeah, look, it's I, I it's pretty. I just got like a lot of the music in this in this movie. I found really boring. And really? yeah, look, maybe that's just going to be me as we go through it. There's some very cool stuff that happens, mm. but overall I don't love the music itself. It is super girly. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's why. I, 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 look, admittedly, yeah, I'm going to look at everything from, I suppose, a male perspective and and I'll, I'll I think, you know, thinking about it, a lot of the songs I really love are songs that I can belt out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe that is part of it, 100%. I acknowledge that. But, yeah, I just found it really um, – Really quite yeah samey and and mm. it is it like I said it is like they did a hard reset on snow on Disney as a whole mm. and went let's go back to Snow White and I feel like these two movies in terms of their musicality could probably exist in a very similar space than some of the other stuff that that that's going to come mm. but yeah look what did you rate a dream is a wish uh, I gave it for music and lyrics I gave four and four. for animation I gave three and for contribution I gave two my problem with it was. She is talking about how she has dreams, but it never actually says what they are. Mm, yeah. What yeah. is she dreaming about? It does come back. This is the main motif in the whole film, and it does come back over and over and over again. And I I actually like this a lot better than uh, When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. Yeah, okay. Musically. Yep, yep. But, um, yeah, it just didn't. I was like, it doesn't actually say who, like, what her dream is. It's just our dream. Maybe it was a sex dream. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Look, uh, for, for music, I rated it a three out of five because mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is pretty. I'm not saying it's not pretty. Mm. For lyrics, I gave it a two. Again, because I think I agree with what you said. Like it doesn't – she doesn't really talk about what her dream is it's just that dreaming is important and dreaming is, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a lot there. Mm. For, for animation, I gave it a one out of five just because she was sitting in the bed and there was some cool stuff with, like, the, the birds coming in to listen and stuff like that. But overall it was just very stationary. Mm-hmm. And then for contribution, yeah, I also gave it a two out of five. Yeah. I um really really love the animation of the mice in this movie. Yep. Think about the only other mice you've really seen before this. Well, yeah, it's it's um what was his name? Timothy or something? Tim- oh yeah, sorry, there's Timothy and before that, the big guy. The mouse. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Mickey Mouse, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that took me far too long to get. So you sort of, I mean, Timothy actually works really well on this as well, but they're just, they're they're actually mice. Like they're so good. They're so cute. They're my favourite bit of animation in this whole movie. The way that they utilise... You know, when he's threading the beads on Gus's tail and, (laughs) you know, they, they twine their tails and it's pick pick the tail to see who's going to go go and be bait for the cat. I just think it's gorgeous. Yeah, no, it is. It absolutely is. And I think at the at the first I found their whole sort of pseudo gibberish way of speaking quite jarring. Mm. But as it like as the movie went on, 
it didn't really it wasn't a problem at all because the they've the way that they're characterized and the way that they're animated is quite it's very easy to understand what their motivations are what's happening what they're planning all that sort of stuff mm. yeah so it, it, they are wonderfully wonderfully animated yeah and they're voiced by Jimmy McDonald who was the voice of Mickey Mouse for quite a while and oh, was really? still Mickey Mouse at this point yeah so they had a lot of fun with him He's doing most of the mice and it's just playing around with speed, recording speed. Right, yeah. So it's okay. sped up to make him higher. Gus is very obviously slowed down. Yeah, it's just like all sort of like technology tricks to yeah. make him sound like different mice. Oh, it's interesting. This is actually one of the two songs that sort of made it into the live action remake. They had Lily James who played the role of Cinderella in the live action. They got her to sing A Dream Is A Wish Your Heart Makes. I think in the movie she sings Lavender Blue, which is from a Silly Symphonies thing. Lavender blue, dilly dilly, lavender green. So they got her to sing that. But in the credits they got her to sing A Dream Is A Wish Your Heart Makes and it actually makes no sense that they didn't get her to sing it in the movie because it's actually beautiful. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. Isn't it pretty? Yeah, that's really, really nice. I really like that. Yeah, I don't know. So that's Lily James. That's Lily James, yeah. That is, yeah, that's stunning. They should have included that. Yeah, don't even get me started on Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, but it's coming. While we're talking about A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, uh, I want to sort of, I suppose this is going to be a new thing that we're going to t- do from here on in, and that's um, talk about the songs that, some of the songs that were cut um, or replaced. Songs from the cutting room floor. We need like a little audio dump in there. It's like, songs from the cutting room floor. Blah! We'll, we'll come up with it. <laughs> we'll come up with something, yeah. It might be exactly that. Just uh... <laughs> So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we come up with. Songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so this song was originally, it was replacing a song that was written by Larry Maury and Charles Walcott um, called Sing a Little, Dream a Little. Sing a little, dream a little, give them both a try. The day will be bright if you do it. Yeah, so this song, uh, Sing a Little, Dream a Little, it's it's quite a nice song. It's probably better at painting a picture of what Cinderella's about than a dream is a wish your heart makes. Mm. But obviously they had uh, issues with some songs and they chose to replace them. It's Yeah, it's hard to know why they sort of went through this whole thing of rewriting. But all of these songs that were cut were written by the same people, Larry Morey and Charles Walcott. So mm. I'm assuming there was something there with the, the, um, the composers because the composers of the movie are different people. Well, something that I discovered for the first time when I was watching this yesterday, yeah, I just finished watching the movie and I realised I could swipe over to extras. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I've seen the tab exists. I haven't gone over to it though. Yeah, well, I went over to it and there was the original theatrical trailer, which was kind of cool. Then yeah. there was the original opening to the film, uh, which was just the sketches um, with sort of dialogue and I'm assuming that's where this song might have come in but it was basically her she woke up and she was like oh there's just so much to do and then she pretended to like be her sister she was like do the do the washing and do the sewing and yeah kind of like you know sort of dancing around her room kind of ordering herself 
around and saying, oh, yeah. there's just like too much to get done and maybe that would have been more appropriate there. Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes does feel very shoehorned. Yeah, it, it does. And maybe that's why the animation's not super interesting either. Like it's just sort mm. of maybe they did have to replace it suddenly and they're like, okay, let's just put her in a bed. <laughs> yeah, because it's like um, you have to wake up but I was dreaming. But it was a nice dream, a dream. It's <laughs> no, a, I bet it was. Oh, that, that, that just happened. We're singing now, okay. <laughs> Strap in, we've already started. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, Sing a Little, Dream a Little. Okay, on to possibly my favourite song of the whole movie, Sing Sweet Nightingale. Pear-shaped toes Sing sweet nightingale Sing sweet nightingale above me This song is quite beautiful. Um, the, the melody is lovely and when it sort of cuts to Cinderella who is singing along with it, there's all these like little harmonies that get popped in and it's, yeah, it's just really, really lovely. Yeah, that's because in the 40s, Les Paul, the guitar guy, yep. he'd yep. been experimenting with overdubbing and uh, this was sort of the main, first main commercial use of that. had been done somewhere else in Spain before it, but Disney basically sat in on a recording of Eileen Wood singing Sing Sweet Nightingale and he decided that he wanted Woods to overdub her own harmonies and he said, I can just imagine like another Cinderella popping up in a bubble and another one and another one and yeah. I think we could, do we think we could try it where you just sing different harmonies and that's how that happened and it's one of the first instances of multi-track overdubbing ever. Yeah, right. Which is very cool. I, I think of this song and I think of the sisters. <laughs> it's just one of my favourite scenes. <laughs> yeah, it is quite fun where, where it's like obviously painful singing and the oh, painful that flute horrible playing. flute playing. Like I play yeah. the flute and Stacey in Spanish is Anastasia. That's the equivalent. And so I always thought it was cool that like Anastasia played the flute and I played the flute when I was a kid. Uh. <laughs> but like when her finger gets stuck in it and like yeah. the, the painful <laughs> piano trying to like keep pace with this horrible singing. It's just one of my favourite bits of animation ever in Disney. Mm. And for yeah. that, I give it five all. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sing Sweet Nightingale just won this movie. <laughs> but just that bit. <laughs> Sing Sweet. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. What'd you give it? So for music, I gave it a four out of five. Ooh. And I think I've explained why. Um, I just yeah. think the melody is, yeah, quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, lyrics, I gave it a one. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's just it, there's nothing, there's no lyricism to it really. It's just Sing Sweet Nightingale, humming, stuff like that. Yeah. Animation I gave it a three out of five because when it cuts, like like you said, all the stuff with the sisters is very fun mm. and then when it cuts to, to Cinderella, she's cleaning the floor and there's all these bubbles happening and I think the bubbles are quite, beautiful mm. and that's when you get that shot of of um, Cinderella in the bubbles all the different Cinderella's singing along and, and all that overdubbing yeah but then contribution to story I gave it a one mm. out of five yeah mm. I gave it three for music I actually used to use this as a singing warm-up so oh, sing okay. sweet nightingale sing sweet nightingale high above key change sing sweet yeah yeah okay it's yeah. A, it's pretty I just don't think it's anything overwhelming um lyrics I gave it a one because I agree <laughs> the lyrics are it's like six words or something. Yeah, yeah. Animation, I gave it a three. The bubbles actually reminded me of the bubbles in the live-action Dumbo, which I know you haven't seen, but the way that they sort of recreate Pink Elephants on Parade is instead of him getting drunk 
there's like a bubble show in the circus where these okay, right. girls have these giant rings that they dip in soap and blow these big bubbles through. And yeah. then he sees like the elephants, like bubble versions of the elephants dancing in the bubbles. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain. And then Danny DeVito's like, pink elephants. And I was like, oh, okay, shoehorned. <laughs> Remember how subtle he works, Danny DeVito? <laughs> oh, my God, it's pink elephants. It's like they're on a parade. <laughs> Jesus. And I gave this for contribution to story. I gave it a one. I almost gave it a zero because if you took it out, you wouldn't notice, except yeah. it, that scene beforehand with the sisters is just so golden that I decided yeah. to give it a one. No, fair enough. Awesome. Sing Sweet Nightingale. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the work song. I love this song. I really enjoyed it. I don't love it, though. Oh, it's so cute. It's super cute. And the animation, um, you know, spoiler alert, I gave the animation four out of five um, <laughs> because I think a lot, all the stuff that's happening is very cute. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll rate it and then I'll talk about why. So for musicality, I gave it a three out of five because mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Nothing amazing, but it was good. Um, the lyrics I gave a one out of five, and that is because I found the some of the rhymes – really like grating. So just as an example, a line is wash the dishes, do the mopping and the sweeping and the dusting, they always keep Keep her hopping. It's my favourite line. Really? I just, (laughs) I find rhyming rhyming mopping with dusting and hopping like really quite strange and maybe they weren't intending to, like it was only supposed to be mopping and hopping. I love how the girls do. They always keep her hopping with their little heads. It's so cute. Yeah, but then another one later on is, and I can do the sewing, leave the sewing to the women, you go get the trimming. Um, like it's, I don't know. I just find the, the, the like I said, the rhyming really jarring. So I'm sorry, would of, you want Gus to help you make a pretty dress? Look, huh? you know what? <laughs> Gus, can, Gus can protect my heart because he is a cute little chubby mess so, <laughs> so that's yeah that's uh, that's why i rated the lyrics one out of five right. um which may be unfair but at the time i just was it, it just felt so um like i said just so jarring yeah well i i gave it for music two for music mm-hmm. lyrics animation three and contribution three yeah, see, I, I rated the animation four as i'd said um and contribution i gave three as well yeah it's a great it's a great idea i i love the um the mouse the the mouse the mice are such a big part of this film and i feel like if you took them out it would be so different it would lose all that beautiful kind of like childlike life that this movie has yeah it's completely about the mice and that stupid cat lucifer well, the mice are almost the protagonists in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's called Cinderella. It's about Cinderella, but the, it's really told from the point of view of the mice yeah. at the time. Because, yeah, like that whole e- the end sequence where it's like the heist trying to get her out of the thing, that's all through the mouse's, the mice's um, point of view. That uh, section this- just made me roll my eyes. I look at that staircase. It yeah. would have taken them hours 
yeah, to get up yeah. that staircase. <laughs> and that I'm was like, something I said. I was like, oh, my God, how long are they trying on this, <laughs> this slipper for? And, like, why <laughs> is he trying to fit it on her feet? Like, why? Yeah. Did, did yeah. they spend this long at everyone's house? In which case this would have taken months. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so... So stupid that, and I know we're suspending our disbelief, you know, belief, yeah. blah blah blah. But I thought that was just stupid. No, no, agreed, agreed. Yeah, but look, while we're talking about cutting room floor songs as well, this there's there's two that really fall around this time in the movie. The my song replaced one of them directly, but there was another song um, that was inserted just before it, uh, where she pulls out the dress that she wants to adapt, and it's called the dress that my mother wore. But it's pink and it's blue And to me good as new The dress that my mother wore The hills are alive It is a bit like that, yeah. But it's so of the time. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is, isn't it? And it, it, it's, um, I think of... All of the songs that have been cut, and there's there's um, another two that we're going to talk about, but I think of all of the ones that have been cut, I think this one probably should have been kept in because the way that she's singing about this dress, it, it, it just, I feel like if they'd included it, it would have given so much more emotional weight to the scene where the sisters tear it up. Um, oh, which is that's coming. so sad. Yeah, it is sad. It is sad. But at the time, I didn't even think about the fact that it was the dress her mother wore. I just, it was only, it was the dress that all her friends had put so much time into Mm. making. If we had had this song where she talked about how important it was that she stays connected to her mother and how she misses her mother, maybe that scene would have just been so much more powerful in a different way. Wasn't that cut? She doesn't mention that the dress is her mother's in this, does she? Yeah, she does. She does. She does say that it's it's a it's like one line or something where she talks about oh. how it was her mother's. I think one of the mice mentions that it's it's a bit sort of old fashioned, and she says, "Yes, yes, you you're right. It is a bit old fashioned, but I'm going to adapt it and all this sort of stuff." Right. So she does Because I remember it. it. It's a huge part of the live action because when yeah. the fairy godmother's about to change her dress, she says, "Oh, it's." my mother's and it makes me feel like I'm taking my mother with me. So don't change it too much. And then she completely. <laughs> changes yeah. it. And she's like, Oh wow. It's amazing. I'm like, it's a complete, Noted, but also- completely different dress. Like you changed the color for crying out loud. And can we, no. Yes. Yes. Can we talk about the color of her dress? Cause this makes me so angry. So there is, there's a great YouTube clip on this, which I 100% agree with. Her dress yep. is goddamn silver. Yeah. And when like, she's at the palace, her dress is blue in shadow, but if that's your argument, so is the prince. The prince is blue. So they yeah. use blue as shadow and <laughs> there is no argument when she stands next to the fairy godmother who is in a blue outfit. Her cl- dress is clearly silver. Yeah. And they basically, the the thinking behind it is, you know how they constantly do pictures with the line of princesses. Yes. They don't really want a silver princess because it looks like a wedding dress. In which right, case they've all yeah. got wedding dresses and mm. at the time there was no one else who was really blue and so in all the advertising her dress got bluer and bluer and bluer and now it's like flat stick like royal blue in some yeah. some images. And when they put her in the Disney theme park they put her in blue because they didn't want it confused with a wedding dress but I actually think it's very pretty in silver. Um, yeah, so that's the dress my mother wore. Now, the other song that was um, cut around about this time as well is called the Cinderella Work Song, I which hate this song. essentially y- you hate it. Oh my god, I hate it. 
<laughs> so let's have a listen. There's so much to do, so very, very much to do. Before I go to the bar, it's going to be a lovely bar. Now, this was replaced by the Mice Work song. Now, the only thing that I think is cool about this song or the potential for this song is that it was supposed to be this sort of dream sequence similarly to Fantasia and Dumbo in Elephants on Parade in that it was Cinderella was dreaming of duplicating herself in order to have someone to help her with her work and it was just going to be a bunch of Cinderella's in like sort of very like discotheque lighting almost. <laughs> so I think that that sequence could have been potentially quite interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, no, the song is not great. It so... reminds me of, you know, the Drowsy Chaperone. Yes. Will and I are Broadway musical theatre nerds as well. There's a song in it called, is it called My Dress? The Dress? You know, it's like, uh, my dress, my dress, yeah, yeah, my yeah, fancy yeah. Yeah. dress. I don't know why I put it on, I must confess. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like that song. Yes, and like that yeah. song is cute because it's an old woman who's lost her mind. This is just yeah. damn annoying. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, it paints a picture of Cinderella being a bit of a nutcase, yeah. like because she's just <laughs> fantasizing about like hundreds of herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah, thanks, I hate it. So let's uh, <laughs> let's let's just leave that in the past and go. Okay, that one's better in the cutting room floor. Yeah, and we'll move on to um, bippity boppity boo. Going into the this movie before rewatching it, this is the only song I remembered from it. Even though I had remembered a dream as a wish your heart makes, I, d- I remembered it as part of Snow White. Well, so aside from the work one. song, it's the only song that's not a ballad. Yeah, true. This yeah. is a movie of ballads. But yeah, look, bippity boppity boo, how'd you rate it? I gave it three for music, four yep. for lyrics, mm-hmm. three for animation, purely yep. because the dress animation isn't part of this song. If it was part of this song, I almost would give it a five. And um, four for contribution to story. Yeah, cool. So we're quite similar. Um, I gave it a three for music because it's just so jaunty and fun. Mm. Three for lyrics. I gave it a four for animation because even though the dress doesn't happen, all of the pumpkin stuff happens Mm. from memory. Um, So that's all quite fun. And then, yeah, four for contribution as well. Yeah. The dress Mm. animation uh, was one of Walt Disney's favourite bits of animation ever. Oh, really? Yeah. And it is pretty remarkable. Think of the animation that was at the start, you know, in Snow White to now. It's just, it's so stunning. I love that. This is where the invention of Disney magic, inverted commas, comes in as well. Those little like white stars is the first time you see it. And that becomes sort of a quintessential part of the Disney world or the Disney universe in that think of like Peter Pan, even sort of frozen in a way and when Elsa's changing her dress, that Disney magic element of them being like tiny little white stars or silver stars in different shapes, that's what Disney magic is and it starts in this movie. So Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo was a huge, huge hit. Fun fact, Werner Felton actually died on the same day as Walt Disney, 15th of December 1966. Yeah. 
So she went down and she took him with him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I just think it's interesting because she is one of the most famous voice actors in the Disney universe by the end of her career. And, yeah, she died the same day as Disney. This is the second song that made it into the live action, but, again, in the credits. I think, have you seen the live action? No, again, it's one of those ones that I've just avoided. Oh, I haven't so seen pretty. many of the live actions, I don't think. You should see I should it. Re- I should so watch pretty. it, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. costuming it. His costuming in it is amazing. Kate Blanchett and Helen, Helena Bonham Carter are just fantastic in it. It's funny because I think of Helena Bonham Carter and I always think of like Tim Burton movies. And this yeah. is the absolute opposite. She's so funny and sweet and bubbly and she's not dark at all. That'd be a nice change. I'd like to see that. Yeah, she's like she's still got that sort of dry sense of humor. So, but she's really good, and you can hear it in her voice here. She's just so cute. How cute is she? Yeah, she's great. Bibbity bobbity boo. Like, <laughs> no, I really like that. I might actually, um, yeah, chuck that on tonight or something and watch it because, um, yeah, like. The Cinderella remake is probably the first in what I sort of, what a lot of people consider the modern live animated remakes of, mm. of classic Disney movies. And it's interesting that they chose Cinderella and then that they chose to to not actually include the songs in the movie. Mm. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't and then they put it in the credits. That's what I thought was yeah. super weird. I'll be interested to see. So the next, one of the next ones coming out is Snow White. And the music is being written by Pascal Paul of Ooh. Dear Evan Hansen and Greatest Showman fame. I'll mm. be really interested to see how that goes. I am a huge, huge fan of original Pascal Paul, so yeah. like Dogfight and Edges. I'm not a fan of modern Pascal Paul, which just seems to be cookie cutter music theater pop. Yeah, look, we talked at length about The Greatest Showman last week mm. or last fortnight, sorry, so we don't need to get into it again. I think probably the best thing about that movie is their music because like, I personally really like their music mm. but it doesn't feel like it fits a Disney movie. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine them. Yeah, because they're not really like romantic, magical types. No, they're extremely contemporary. Mm. So I'm wondering if they're going to just rewrite the whole thing, like – Let's just do all new music. I've got no idea. I feel like that would mm. suck the soul out of the essence of those classic Disney movies, but we shall yeah. we shall see. Yeah, look, we shall see, and hopefully it goes well. And look, we might talk about the, the um, live action remakes one day, but um, yeah, look, we'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. But look, let's um, let's jump into the final song from Cinderella. So, so this, this is, is love. love. So this is love. Mm-hmm. So this is love. Fairly underwhelming song for me. Oh, um, so pretty and I'm sweepy and pretty. It is it is pretty and sweepy, but it, like I think like what we were saying, it's another sort of ballady song in a in a in a movie full of ballads. So mm. I, I don't know, like I, I struggled with it a little bit. For music I gave it a three out of five. Um because it is pretty. It's pretty. It's just nothing spectacular in my personal opinion mm-hmm. lyrics i gave it a two out of five animation i gave it a two out of five and contribution to story i gave it a two out of five. Oh, interesting i gave it four for music i think that string arrangement is stunning mm, yep 
I gave it three for lyrics. I gave it three for animation and one for contribution to story because, oh my God, hey, I just met you. Now have my babies. Like it's yeah. just, <laughs> it's, yeah. it, the premise of it to me is just stupid. I do appreciate though that when the king says, the waltz, start the waltz, and you see the conductor, he's got the sheet music for So This Is Love in front of him. Do you notice that? Uh, I did not notice that. Did he really? Yeah, it says So This Is Love and then he starts oh, that's. Smoking. That's really quite clever. I didn't notice that and I feel really bad that I didn't notice it. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's 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 a it's a strange sort of song and a strange sort of um, setting. But before I, I get into it anymore, I want to talk about the last mo- song that was cut, which is called Dancing on a Cloud. The moon and the stars appear bringing romance for two. So this was the song that was replaced by So This Is Love. And the original sort of idea, the original concept for it was that they were so sort of enthralled by each other that they sort of felt like they were alone and they were up in the clouds and they were dancing in the clouds, Mm. as the song kind of says. And it had Prince Charming singing. Who's actually called Prince Charming? Is this the first one where he's called Prince Charming? Uh, Yeah, because I think in um, Snow White he's just the prince. I think that So This Is Love is a better song, so I'm, I'm glad that they included that one, but I think the idea of them dancing, like feeling like they're alone and dancing on in the clouds is quite a nice sort of visual. Yeah. And I think that that might have been a bit more interesting than just them sort of waltzing around various rooms of the castle, which it seemed to be. Like they, were, they spent a lot of time in that main room and then, and then they, they sort of moved outside. off into like, another room. Can you room. still hear that quartet out there? It's not like they've got microphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's like, oh, they're dancing around these rooms. Oh, would you look at that? Here's my leather room. <laughs> like, like, would they keep playing? Like, well, he gone. Off we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the- it's like so they're just standing there for hours going, are they coming back? Or? Just, just keep playing. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, they're out at like a bar somewhere down the road and they're still playing the waltz like it's not like anyone else joins in they're playing for no one like literally what are those people watching anymore are they have they moved on or are they just going to stand there staring at the vacant floor the dancing in the clouds motif is something that um disney's been trying to sneak in since the start so um i don't know if you remember but originally in snow white and the seven dwarfs that was meant to come in when she was singing someday my prince will come Yes, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. and so then it was uh, mentioned. It was came up for this movie, and it went to the cutting room floor. Can you think what movie it's coming up? Not soon, but what movie it finally got the green light for? Is it Aladdin when they're doing whole new earlier? World? Earlier, we're still oh, earlier still than that. sort of classic. Um, it's right at the end of Sleeping Beauty. Oh. A movie that I remember nothing about, so I'm going to be really yeah. interested to revisit that one. But look, that's um, that's that's the music. That's all the songs, all the cut songs, all the songs they included. That's it. It's so pretty. Little tidbit. So the prince in this film, uh, he is voiced by William Phipps when he's speaking, but the singing voice is Mike Douglas, and basically Mike Douglas got the gig based on his singing voice, and then they heard him speak. And because he had a Chicago accent, they decided he couldn't be the speaking voice. <laughs> Not that the prince does, – when does the prince talk in this film? He very uh, – he says like one line somewhere, and it must be at the ball because that's the only time we see him. We don't see him until the ball, and then we don't see him again until they're driving away in the carriage. Yeah, because he just bows and bows and bows, and he sees her, walks up to her. He talks in the background, but we can't hear him. And then so This Is Love kicks in 
and then it's midnight. Oh, maybe when she's like, I have to go, he might say like, wait, where are you going? Or something. <laughs> wait, where are you going? So they cast an entirely different actor for four words, people. But unfortunately when they released the soundtrack, they credited Don Barclay as the prince. Don Barclay was the doorman who was in oh. it for like five seconds. But if you have an original copy of the vinyl, you'll find his name next to the prince, not either of the men that actually voiced him. Oh, man. <laughs> and knowing, knowing what we know about Disney would have been like, whatever, yeah. <laughs> this guy gets the credit. Get out of here. <laughs> and that's how that guy lost his job. All right, time for my favourite segment. Angie's anecdotes. Man, that's hard to do online when we can't <laughs> see each other. <laughs> but you know what? We still nailed it. <laughs> okay, so Stackers, uh, as you know and as our listeners would know, uh, my partner Angie watches these movies with me and she comes out with some uh, clever, funny one-liners every now and then. Uh, and she uh, quite enjoyed Cinderella as uh, as. um you know, I think it was a nice change of pace after the sort of weird animal, <laughs> you know, mistreatment of Dumbo for her. Um, and she had the following to say. So the the king's arranging this this party to subtly make sure that the prince meets the the princess and they're going to get the married. The royal baby maker. Yeah, yeah, that's it, the, the mother. I mean, you know, <laughs> slash wife, as he says. Um and, yeah, so he wants to make sure that it's not too obvious that that's what he's doing. So mm-hmm. he throws this party. Mm-hmm. And we get to the party and Angie says uh, the following, I thought this party was supposed to be subtle. They're literally lining them up so he can look down their cleavage as they curtsy. Angie's <laughs> <laughs> oh. anecdotes. anecdotes. I don't like doing that online. <laughs> <laughs> Who's there got the go. biggest boobies? Yeah, <laughs> produce yeah. the most milk. Like, <laughs> get, get the Tartars on show, ladies. <laughs> but look, that's um, that's Cinderella from 1950. Um, the the reset and the the revamp of the uh, the Disney princess. Yeah. Okay, it's time to announce what the winning song of this episode was. And the winner was. Bippity-boppity-boo. Bippity-boppity-boo. Oh, well, there we go. Bippity-boppity-boo from 1950s Cinderella. Which actually, looking at our massive uh, tally, puts it in placing number three behind Baby Mine and Give a Little Whistle, who are tied for first place. So technically second. Technically second. There we go. And I actually find that really interesting that our top four songs, which are, you know, as you said, there's a tie for first, so first, second, and third place. So all of them are from different movies. They're from the four movies we've covered so far. Hmm. So no one soundtrack is smashing it out of the park so far. No winner so far. No winner But I can so feel far. them coming. I can feel them coming. I was listening to Moana today and I just got so excited, even though that's going to yeah. be months away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My uh, sister sent me a message saying that she woke up with the Iago breakup song from The Return of Jafar <laughs> stuck in her head. So. <laughs> well, you know what? We've listened to so much Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo today. Can we just make that our play out song today? Uh, you know what? Yeah. And so our next episode, only one year later, because Disney on a roll now, is 
Alice in, Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland, which has so many songs. So I think that might be one many where we, um, songs. That might be one where we sort of cherry pick which songs we actually talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll just we'll give gold. I gave a gold star to this song, this song, and this song. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out, homies. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, look, take it easy, guys. Um, enjoy the rest of lockdown, and uh, see you episode we'll four. See you in two weeks. No, five. Oh my god, this is four. Oh, and we'll oh. see see you in episode five. Bye. Bye. That's it. I've had it. I hate to be dramatic, but it's time for me to fly the coop. Terrific. Fine. I'm drawing the line before I wind up in a parachute. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.